0: In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Romans, looking at Romans chapter 16, verses 1 through 16. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Gentria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house, and greet my beloved Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampelatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asencretus, Philesian, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. As Paul finishes his letter to the Roman church, he introduces them to a woman named Phoebe. Phoebe is the woman who will deliver this letter, and she is commended by Paul, a woman from Canteria. Paul may have met her uh, in Acts 18.18 when he stops there between Syria and Ephesus. Paul asks that they receive her, welcome her, and give her whatever she needs. And he describes her as a servant and a patron. And Those words are interesting because they show the influence that she had on the church in her community and the influence that she had had on Paul and the respect that he expected the church in Rome to show her. The word that is translated servant in chapter 16, verse 1 is the same Greek word that is translated deacon in other places in the New Testament and also translated as minister in some places. So here Paul is calling Phoebe a deaconess of the church. She is a special servant. She takes care of special needs. We don't know exactly what those needs were, but she served the church in very special ways. And one of those seems to be with money, with financial contributions, because he also describes her as a patron. A patron would be someone who... Looked out for others, help them meet their needs, and make connections in society that would be helpful to them. They would kind of stand up for them if they were trying to acquire land or do business with someone. But they would also provide monetary support, as it seems she did for Paul. The fact that Phoebe was female and serving her church as a deacon and being a patron to many shows that she was someone of great means and influence. Someone very important and obviously very knowledgeable about how to serve God and be an example to others. And so Paul trusted her with his letter to deliver it to Rome and in all probability to read it to them as they were hearing Paul's words for the first time. He follows this introduction of Phoebe with greetings to a long list of people. In this list, we see Roman citizens, we see Jews, we see people who seem to have been freed slaves. And as Paul sends his greeting to these people, he uses a word that literally means to fold arms around, to give them a big hug. Paul has a great deal of warmth and affection for many members of the church in Rome. At the end of his comments, he encourages them to greet each other with a holy kiss. Most of us know that in Europe and even in Asia, it can be customary to offer a kiss on the cheek or a a kiss on each cheek as a greeting. Paul here is saying, make sure that when you make those greetings, they are holy greetings, not just custom, not just an excuse to get close to someone, but that you are greeting one another in holiness. And so he goes through the list of people that he wants to extend his greetings to. And as we go through the names and the way that he's clustered them together, we can see that in Rome there had to be at least three different churches, maybe as many as five or six, in this list of people. He certainly starts with Prisca and Aquila. We know that this is a married couple that had lived in Rome, had been expelled, and now evidently had returned to Rome. They're mentioned several times in Acts, especially Acts 18, and we see their ability to teach and even correct when they run across incomplete or false teaching. They're also mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we see here that they had a church meeting in their home. It is interesting that Prisca, or Priscilla's name, is mentioned first, because Typically, in the ancient world, the custom would be to mention the more prominent member first. In this relationship, Priscilla seems to have been either wealthier or more significant in the town than her husband was. But we also see in verse 14, where Asencryctus and others with them it seemed to make up a church. And in verse 15, Philogius and Julia and the brothers with them seem to make up another church group. So that's at least three churches, and and even those that are mentioned as households uh, could even be other house churches. But we see at least three different congregations. So as Paul is writing this letter, he's not writing to one group of people who meet together every Sunday. He's writing a letter to several groups within a very large metropolitan area that would be hearing the same things. Paul seems to be wanting to make sure that all of these churches are on the same page with their understanding of what the gospel means to them. Paul mentions other people in here that are noteworthy. A man named Rufus, which we know historically was a popular name among slaves, is mentioned in high regard. We're told that he was chosen in the Lord. I don't think Paul's singling him out and saying Rufus was chosen while the other people on this list were not. But he is communicating that Rufus has been favored by God, or that he has been very special in the work of the Lord. Paul mentions Andronicus and Junia, it seems to be a married couple, and he says they are his kinsmen. That could mean that they were blood-related, or it could be a reference to the fact that they were both of the same nation, or both Jewish. He also follows up that description by telling us that they were well-known to the apostles. At least that's the way it's translated in the English Standard Version. If you do some research on that phrase, it's kind of debated, and it seems that the most natural way to translate that would be that Andronicus and Junia were apostles who had a good reputation or who were well-known apostles. This gives us some pause sometimes because we imagine an apostle as being only one of the twelve, even Paul being born out of season, as he describes himself, gets included in that group. But uh, Barnabas, Silas are called apostles. Here, Andronicus and Junius seem to be called apostles. All apostle means is someone who is sent. Jesus did have his apostles that he personally sent for a specific mission. This couple was probably sent by some church to go out and evangelize in an area away from their home, very similar to the way we send missionaries today. It's also very noteworthy in this list, the number of women that are mentioned. We've already mentioned a few, one called a deacon by Paul, one called an apostle by Paul, but he also mentions a woman named Mary who had worked very hard or labored for the church. He mentions in verse 12 uh, what seemed to be sisters, Tryphania and Trophosia. He also says that they have labored for the church. Another woman Persis uh, literally means Persian lady. She has worked hard and is beloved by Paul. We mentioned Rufus earlier, and Paul mentions his mother, and it's obvious that they have a warm relationship. And in verse 15, he mentions Julia and the sister of Neresus. I mention all of these to make a point about women in the life of the church. I know there are a lot of discussions uh, between denominations even within denominations about what is a woman's role in the church. There are certainly reasonable people who disagree about how much authority someone can have within the church and and what it looks like if a woman were to usurp or take away that authority from a man. Some have read some of Paul's other writings and have come to the conclusion that a woman should never speak or be heard in any shape, form, or fashion within the life of a church. But I think those passages need to be read in light of these, where Paul is commending women who have been very active in the church. We can certainly assume from Paul's writings that these women are doing this in a way that doesn't diminish men in any way, but helps and encourages within the life of the church to make it vibrant and full. And when it comes to questions of authority, maybe the greater disservice we've done to women is we often ascribe more authority to men than they actually have. In verse 16, Paul describes these churches who are sending their greetings as churches of Christ. He should be the final authority and have his way within the churches. What all of us are called to, men and women, are to be humble servants. There may be differences in the way that we serve, but Our job is to be a servant first, male or female. Our goal should never be to be the one in charge at church. We should humbly submit to Jesus and his will and let him have the final say. The question for us almost 2,000 years later is, what are the lessons we can learn? Why has this list of people been preserved for us and Paul's comments about them? How can they be helpful and instructive to us? Well, I see three things. One is that in Paul's listing of all of these people, we learn that we all share a common relationship. In each of these cases, he talks about the fact that these folks are in Christ. When we are in Christ, we're all part of the body of Christ and we share a relationship. That's why it's so important that within our churches, we make sure that those relationships are healthy and functional because we're called to that common relationship. We're also called to a common service over and over again. Paul talked about the way these folks had labored and served. Some had been in prison, but they were all willing to put the needs of others ahead of themselves, travel to different places, invest time and energy in their local church to make sure that it was healthy. And thirdly, Paul communicates a common philosophy in Mentioning each of these people, he talked about how much he loved them and how much they loved him and others. That love was the overriding principle in all their decision-making and all their choices. And they were taking care of one another and making sure that Christ was proclaimed. As we have read through the book of Romans, we do ourselves a great disservice if we don't come away from it realizing that the entire letter has been Paul's call for us to embrace our common relationship, our common service, and our common philosophy. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, CaleraChurchOfChrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter.